Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 65. That begins with Brett all by himself saying, Here, kitty, kitty, and ends with him looking at something on the floor. Yeah, and uh, it's Friday, and we have Jason Heck for the last day of the week. TGIJ. Thank God it's Jason. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. It's great to be back. It's... Uh, we're we're starting off with uh, with a with a bang, you know. We are uh, we're starting off this thing with this this guy all by himself in that classic horror movie thing. Whether it's teenagers who've been screwing and someone goes off to get a to get a, a reefer, or we got the cop who hears something scary down the hall, and now we have Brett, who is certainly the least imposing member of the crew next to Lambert, probably off on his own looking for the cat to prevent the false positive from repeating. And uh, he's alone in a very large, very crowded, very industrial space. Okay, so that brings me to this one bit of beef I have with this movie. This is one of the parts of the movie that bothers me just a little bit. And that is that this crew, this this trio of hunters looking for this this alien that's loose on the ship have now let one member all by himself split off and go search for the cat um, without the weapon, by the way, that he constructed himself. And this is one of those horror movie tropes that I'm, I'm not the biggest horror movie fan in the world. And it's because this is one of those tropes that bothers me. It's one of these repeated things. It's one of those kind of bad decisions that you see in movies a lot. And maybe I rankle a little bit more than some people at the bad decisions. Some people find it fun. But in this case, I find it, strange and uncharacteristic of what the crew has been so far. I would argue that that fun is the weird word here because I think this is uh, the playful part of the movie, if there is a playful part. And playful is a weird word to use. But I do think that probably the audience, they kind of groaned with the fake scare from the cat. Then they send this guy off by himself Mm -hmm. and they probably maybe are groaning a little bit and they're also going, oh, no. I mean, I don't think any of us think he's going to make make it out of this alive. So obvious. enter the pleasures of the familiar. They are the pleasures of the familiar, and they are the pleasures, the transgressive pleasures of the horror film. Because right. if you don't have a moment or two in a horror film where you get to take pleasure in the suffering of somebody else or in the ability to know that person has got a got a target on them your your god's eye spot right i mean this is this is the sadistic pleasures of the Mm -hmm. horror film i mean you you know i've always thought that the amazing thing about the texas chainsaw massacre is that when you watch that movie you can identify with the victims or you can identify with the killer if you want to which is pretty sick but it's transgressive and it's a transgressive pleasure and so you can watch that movie either way or you can flip-flop back and forth and I think this is a, one of those moments where you can put yourself in Brett's shoes if you want, or you can step back a little bit and go, oh, boy, here we go. He's going to get it. How's he going to get it? So take it on its own terms. Stay inside the script, and we can say, okay, as far as they know, the alien is the size of a cat, right? It's an aggressive terrier-sized animal. So yeah. caution is necessary, but it certainly doesn't seem life-threatening. Kane accepted. So... Again, he says with the cattle prod that he constructed, it shouldn't hurt the little bastard unless his skin's thinner than ours, but it will give him incentive. So it's not too lethal, whatever it is. They're not, they want to catch it because it's unfamiliar. They want to catch it because it killed their shipmate. 
but there's no reason not to send him off. They don't want to kill it because it bleeds acid. And he's within shouting distance, right, in theory. So help can come charging down the corridor in the form of Parker and Ripley. But, you know, there's there's nothing super scary about it as far as they know yet, except for its birth cycle. I Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if anything that I, I don't care how big it is, if I saw it burst through the chest of my friend, I'm probably going to be scared of it. And I don't think their actions leading up to this minute imply that they're not scared. They seem really scared to me. They're nervous. What they, are they just nervous of the jump scare? But no, they also, they're nervous of the lethal nature of this creature. Why did they send him off by himself? But because they, they walked past that room and there was nothing in there on the detector. Remember, they walked past that room down the corridor. In theory, the thing would have buzzed. She checked it's, it out already, right. didn't she? She already looked. So going back there, there's nothing really scary. But they don't send them to that room. They send them to get the cat. The we don't cat's know. in the room I that she that, just checked out. The cat could also go many. It's a cat. Well, it, it could have go gone through, down but, that corridor, but the end of the corridor is, pro, is a ladder or a hatch that's sealed. So really that room is the only open door unless it leaps down the ladder to a lower deck, which I don't think it's going to do. So They saw it run out of the room. Right. So living up to that geography that we have been aware that, that Ridley Scott has constructed on the ship, then it seems pretty logical, right? We know they walked past the room, the detector made no noise, and that's the only place for the cat to go. So there are a number of reasons to, to wait his decision um, to go off by himself kind of in favor of survival. What now, are they doing, though, while he's off getting killed? Well, they proceed, right? They say, yeah, we'll go. They she says, we'll doing. go on. You yeah. go back, we'll go on. We'll keep moving. So they're sort of venturing ahead, probably relying in, uh, on this idiotic tracking machine, which she's probably shaking at and cursing, while Brad is meowing his way into infinity. So, so John, let's say for sake of argument, I, I totally give you this. I, I agree. It's kind of a bad, bad decision bad move and a cynical move on the part of the storytellers, right? right. Sending this guy off. Right. So we've had, so what happens next in this, in this scene? What happens next is we get another cat scare, another phony scare, yeah. right? Another, another one. And that's pretty interesting because you're, it's on the verge of trying my patience. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that the, there is a pact that we kind of make with a filmmaker in these horror films. Mm. And generally the pattern is, you know, fool me once, you know, shame on me because I fell for it. Fool me twice, shame on you mm -hmm. as a director because you're not playing fair with me. And you're relying too much on one gimmick. On one right? gimmick, yeah. right? Yeah. So we've had two false scares in a row. And they better, the other way to, to say it would be, you know, uh, fool me once, good for you, fool me twice, fuck you and give me something now because, right. because I'm not going to play this game with you anymore. Right. I'm tired right? of jumping for no reason. So are we going to get something next? I mean, and then, I mean, if we you, know what's coming, we're going to get something next. Are, are you reading in this a certain amount of confidence? Like, are you saying that the filmmakers, yeah. that really Scott, they were real confident that what we were going to get next. Yeah was going to erase the memory of this false of these yes. false jump scares. Yeah, okay. so I think it's a massive tropey misdirect if there's such a thing. Yeah. And and if the movie didn't give me something really good, I think we'd be in big trouble because yeah. they've worked awful hard to build up this trust and this relationship and this goodwill if you can call it that between the audience and the storyteller. Yeah, and, and you know, this doesn't this when I'm watching this movie like a normal person would, 
without watching it minute by minute, it doesn't really bother me that much. There's a moment where I go, oh, here's the horror movie part. But I'm still along for the ride. Watching it in this minute by minute format, though, I'm like, man, this is a, this is really tropey. And I had to bring it up because I yeah. feel like, for one thing, I feel like I got to be the voice of some listeners out there that certainly feel the same way. I'm sure there's I'm not the only person that feels like this is a bit. Why wouldn't they be confident, right? I mean, they're they're taking an exploitation picture and jacking the budget through the roof and bringing in more talent and more more skill in front of and behind the camera than the material probably deserves. At the end of the day, it's it, you know you could make this movie, well, it the terror from beyond space or whatever. You you can look at it a few different ways, but they know that they've already had a home run with the with the chest bursting scene. They they know that they have just rocked the audience on his heels. So why not play a little bit and say, you know what, we gave you something shocking and apocalyptic. So here's a couple of jabs, you know, to kind of make sure you're still in the game and to keep you right there, right on the edge of your seat. And then we're going to hit you for six, as Bernard Montgomery used to say. We're going to throw one right at your chin. And I think it's pretty great. Well, it's, it's or in a this case, bit... right, at, right at his forehead. Right. We're going to throw one <laughs> right to your brainstem. Yeah. It's a, the... That's kind of ironic, though, because... If there's the one thing that that Ridley Scott was a little trepidatious about, it was the the alien in the man in the suit issue. He was afraid of that being the big problem in the whole movie. Well, so they're actually putting a lot of throwing a lot of chips down on the one thing that they th- were the most worried about. Right. But that that just shows goes to show that they were maybe it's the trust in the story as you're you're breaking it down as uh, as the plot is unfolded. Uh, we've bought in. They trust that we've bought in now. They don't have to worry about that problem or the potential problem that doesn't turn out to be a problem at all. Well, uh, next week, I definitely, as we move into this next m- section of the film and we see what's going to happen, uh, I think that point we can have a conversation about one of the great conceptual tricks of this movie, which is the fact that the thing keeps changing the way that it appears. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be moving into that. But did, did you say, Jason, you said something about that, sh- the fake scare when the cat runs. Well, yeah, we were, we were watching very carefully and the cat leaps off some sort of industrial machinery that has what appear to be rocket nozzles that look a lot like an alien's, like the alien's head. Um, we were noticing that. But when Jones makes this leap and another startled meow, um, something very wet and very rubbery and very sloppy sort of slides off. He, he carries it with him off of the decking of this huge machinery, and it makes this really satisfying wet spatter on the floor. Um, so Jones has apparently been doing some research of his own. So not only does he end up getting locked in the locker by the alien in, <laughs> in an attempt to, to prevent him from warning the crew, but he leads him right to... Something very important. So, you know what? Again, through the eyes of Jones, he's just surrounded by schmucks. He's trying to help, and he's getting short-circuited and circumvented by a very clever alien and very stupid crew people who just aren't taking the hints. This is a great place to end the week because fair to say that next week things are going to really go crazy. Interesting. I did want to give a... Little shout out to my man Harry Dean Stanton here. Mm. I feel like there's a nice moment in this, a performance moment that I might be reading into it, my own interpretation. But when he walks into the room, we reverse back. You know, at the beginning of this minute, we're behind him, and he walks into this uh, uh, this storage chamber, um, and then we reverse shot, and we get a really tight close up 
of him. And he comes in and he hears something above. I mean, for a moment, she even, he hears Jones for a minute. But he's looking around and I just swear that he knows he's fucked. Like there's a moment there where that thought crosses his face. I'm fucked. This is it. Something. This isn't right. He jerks his gaze around a little too spasmodically to be looking for a cat. There's some. Yeah. There's definitely some alarm on his face. Some sense of unease that something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I wondered though, then if Brett has the uh, uh, you know short term memory to remember that he had that thought. Like that might be the issue. Oh, you're, oh yeah. You're, I'm looking for a cat and he's forgotten. You're, you're a genius savant who keeps the ship hey, in space. I, yeah. A savant. That's yeah. exactly the nature of a savant. He only knows about engineering. He does. <laughs> you know, every time I, I want, I want to hear about what a savant bread is. I flash back to right after the cats bolted from the locker and his stupid little, Hey, <laughs> laugh and face as he smiles right. at Parker, hoping not to get punched. Hey, 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 man, right. did you see it? It was the cat. Yeah, there's your savant. If it was a, if it was an engineering issue, he'd be all over it. Okay, but if it's anything else, exactly, yeah, that's, he's, the, he's, that's he's what a savant down is. The, down the space toilet. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's 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 a. I, I got to tell you, it's a great minute. It's a minute that has some great setup and a really great scare for a payoff. Um, this is a really solid minute. I like it a lot. I'm definitely bought into this one, boys. I'm looking forward to coming back next week. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have you back sometime. Well, we're we're, we're hoping, sometime, well, I, I guess, sure. when Malia Obama is the next guest. I know that she's a huge fan of Alien, <laughs> yeah. and I'm looking forward to that. I know Tip O'Neill, you guys are going to do a seance and have him present as well. That should be pretty awkward, With but Malia, pretty interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I'm afraid you actually might have just ruined that for us because the Secret Service asked us not to reveal that. Oh, okay. Um, I, yeah, so I'm sorry. So, I, folks, don't look forward to that one. That might have just gotten... Uh, yeah, raced off of our schedule. I, I didn't, you know, so so really focus on the seance. I know we're going to hear what Charles Gray thinks about Alien. We're going to also hear from uh, Jerry Colonna uh, and uh, Lou Costello. So it should be great. I'm hoping the medium has pretty funny delivery. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. should be a pretty rip-roaring series. All right. I think that's it for minute number 65. Um, look for Jason Heck in our Facebook uh, on our Facebook listeners page, you'll probably be making some clever quips about some posts from time to time. <laughs> mostly and, about Jerry Colonna. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mostly. I think yeah, that's the second time you've mentioned him on the podcast. Huge fan. Uh, <laughs> huge fan. He, he propped up Bob Hope. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, but you can find us at AlienMinute.com or follow us on tr- Twitter at AlienMinutePod or we're on Instagram as well. And uh, go over to Tee Public and buy some t-shirts or... Uh, you know, whatever it is that they offer over there. Um, And tune in next week for Minute 66. Star Trek.